let's pray, and then we're going to jump in uh, the word tonight. Father God, thank you so much for a sweet time of worship in your presence. God, thank you for the great love that you have for us. The great love that you have for us, demonstrated in sending your son Jesus to die for us. Um, God, we're thankful. God, we're thankful, God. We're thankful for your presence, God, that transforms our hearts, that shapes us and molds us into who you want us to be. God, I ask that you would prepare our hearts beforehand, uh, God, to receive your word, that our hearts would be good soil uh, for your word to take root in and grow and bear a harvest of faith, a harvest of righteousness in each of us. God, do what you please uh, with this rest of the time here tonight. Um, Holy Spirit, have your way and not my way. Have your way and not the way of any person, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so, so here in a little bit, um, we have a throwback classic cereal bar waiting for you uh, out, out in the lobby. We've got like 11 to 12 different kinds of cereal um, and milk, and we can get down on it. Uh, hopefully, throwback cereal, like the cereals you enjoyed uh, as kids. Um, but throw, throw out a cereal, see if we have it. French Toast Crunch? Okay, throw out another cereal. <laughs> Lucky Charms, yes. Happy Crunch, yes. Okay, it's all out there. You'll see it. I don't want to ruin the surprise. I don't want to ruin the surprise. Man, hopefully we've got your favorite. If not, maybe we've got like your second favorite, and you'll still love us anyway, okay? Um, so tonight we're going to be talking about throwbacks. Throwbacks. Uh, and I want to ask you guys a question. Why do we love old stuff? Why do we love old stuff? Throwback jerseys and retro fashions and, uh, and vintage albums and records, cool-looking antiques. Like, what gets us so excited about old stuff? What is the appeal of vintage, antique old stuff? Do you guys ever wonder that? What is the appeal of those things? There's something inspirational. There's something you know, almost a little magical about thinking about what an old thing was like when it was new. Like, what was this old thing like when it was the new thing, when it was fresh on the scene? Uh, you know, when it was simple, before it evolved into whatever it is today. Um, and, and, and that's kind of the appeal, I, I think, of, of old stuff and, and, and looking at those throwbacks and reminiscing and all those kind of things. But that's a little bit what we're going to touch on uh, tonight. Uh, do you guys like looking at old pictures? Anybody like seeing old pictures? Like uh, looking at old photo albums? Like maybe mom and dad has a photo album in the house. You can look at your baby pictures and be like, oh, it's so cute. What happened? Right? And look at, do you guys like it when, uh, when Facebook does like the pop-up notification? Facebook memory hears you three or four years ago. Some of you guys are like, no, that's embarrassing. I don't want to see myself. Uh, yeah. And sometimes those are funny. Those are embarrassing. And sometimes it's kind of cool. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. It takes you back there mentally. You reminisce a little bit. Um, and, and honestly, it can be a little bit inspiring, too, in the right light. Like, so for me, if a Facebook memory pops up and it's in the six, seven, eight-year-old uh, time range, then it's inspiration to me because, man, I see, hey, I need to take care of my body so I don't still look like that guy, right? So Jackie and I, we have three children, a nine-year-old, an uh, eight-year-old, and a six-year-old, a boy and two girls. Uh, and so... When, when a couple's having a baby, sometimes they say, we are pregnant. Uh, they, they are both expecting, but it's only the wife is pregnant, okay, to be clear about that. Uh, Jackie was pregnant with our kids, but, but I, I like, you have like sympathy pains. I have like the sympathy appetite, sympathy eating. Like when she would eat extra, I'd eat extra too, because why not? Uh, she was eating for two. I didn't have that excuse, so I just, I just got fat, right? So I, just, I got really overweight for a couple years there. And when those Facebook memories pop up, and I see that guy, and I'm like, oh, man, brother, what you thinking, uh, eating, eating way too much, not taking care of yourself. So, so when I'm, and what I mean by it can be inspirational. The days that I get up and I'm like, man, I don't feel like running. I don't feel like going to the gym. You know, and you get that Facebook memory, like, dude, I gotta go, right? Because 
because I don't have the, the metabolism of an 18, 19 year old anymore, right? In my in my 30s, uh, I mean, I can't eat that whole pint of Ben and Jerry's and, and it not show, right? I can't eat that whole bag of Doritos and not and, and, and not pay for it, okay? So, so man, seeing those memories can be a little bit inspirational, being like, okay, I don't want to get back to that place again. I got to take care of myself. Um, we're about looking at even older pictures than that. We talked about the, the family photo album, seeing pictures of yourself uh, as a baby, pictures of yourself as a kid, as a kindergartner, as like a six, seven, eight-year-old. That's kind of fun uh, to look back and think, man, where was I at mentally, man, in first grade, in second grade, and back when life was just simple? Has anybody's life got more complicated since first grade? Yeah, that's everybody, right? Um, you know, before, before life got complicated, uh, man, when you were at an age where you literally believed anything was possible, when the grown-up said, you can become whatever you want to be, uh, and you believed them, right? right? Yeah, that's true. And then, you know, so before, going back to that, to that simple place before uh, the complications, before the adult disillusionment sets in, to kind of put yourself in that mind frame and be like, man, I used to think that anything was possible. And, like, it kind of still is. I just kind of talked myself out of it, right? Like, what were the dreams that you had you know, when you're six, seven, eight years old, if I could have met first grade you, second grade you, and sat you down and said, what do you want to do when you grow up, right? Uh, and what, what was your dream then? So we've got kids around that age, right? My youngest daughter, Hannah, she's six. Uh, she wants to be a pop star. I don't think she even knows really what a pop star is. It's just there's a character on the Disney Channel show she likes who's a pop star, and that sounds fun. She knows it involves singing, which she, I mean, she's not that far off, I guess, but well, that's what she wants to be. I'm gonna just be a pop star, Dad. That's what's gonna happen there. I'm like, okay, good luck with that. Um, my, my middle daughter wants to be a librarian that also rides horses, and then get this next part. She teaches the horses how to read. Um, you know, and that, that's, her, that's her dream. And I say, man, there's, I don't know that there's any horses that know how to read. And she said, well, I'll be the first one to teach. I, I know it's not going to be easy, Dad. This is what she tells me. <laughs> I'm going to do it. And I said, okay, man, you can do it. She's going to be a horseback riding uh, librarian, traveling librarian on horseback and teaching her horse to read um, all at once. Because, man, when you're, when, you're, when you're eight years old, right, anything's possible. Anything's possible. Um, and reminiscing about those things, man, thinking about those old dreams, I want to tell you, it's really good for us. I mean, it's good for us to reminisce sometimes. It's good for us to kind of throw back and think about, man, what did I used to really hope for that I've just been talked out of, that I've been disillusioned, and I don't think it's still possible anymore? What did I used to dream about? I mean, what dreams have I given up on? Uh, that maybe God didn't give up on them, right? That it's still something possible, something you can achieve in your life, uh, but, but you've given up on them because maybe somebody talked you out of it, somebody talked you down, uh, you got disillusioned, life got too complicated for you to see it uh, being something that you can actually achieve. Um, but reminiscing about those things is good for us. Thinking about where we came from, thinking about how we got started, um, can give us the inspiration to keep pressing on in the present, man, to achieve uh, to achieve those goals we set way back then. Maybe your favorite sports team used to be good, right? And you guys have a sports team that you really love, and they used to be good, but lately they've not been that good, right? Um, and, and, and so, so man, that's how that's how sports go. You like a team, and then and they're really good, and then you really like a team, and then they're they're lousy for like eight years, and you're like, man, I still got root for these guys. Um, so that, maybe your sports team used to be really good, right? And when they put on those throwback jerseys. You're like, oh, yeah, you get a little bit excited because you remember when they were good, and it's kind of like, man, maybe maybe they can somehow channel that past glory, right? Maybe, maybe they can somehow be good again, you know, when they, when they put on those jerseys. We like we like throwbacks, right? We like throwbacks. It's inspirational. It gets us excited, and that's what we're talking about uh, tonight. 
Uh, we're going to call them throwbacks, uh, throwbacks that inspire us, that give us hope for the future, uh, and also help us to focus on what really matters here and now. Man, we get distracted. Life is so cluttered uh, and full that sometimes we need these throwbacks, these little inspirations from the past to remind us what really matters and what we should be focused on uh, here, in the here, in the here and now. Uh, so we're launching a brand new series tonight called Throwback. Throwback. You guessed it. Uh, and it's going to take the first few weeks of the semester. We're going to be going through this series. Uh, and in this series, we're going to be looking at the first few chapters of Acts in the New Testament. Um, if you guys brought your Bible, awesome. If you've got a Bible on your phone, cool. If your neighbor doesn't mind you looking at their Bible, hey, that's also good. Or the words will be up here on the screen. So we've got you covered, okay? But we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. Um, is what we're going to pick up. And then over these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at just the first few uh, chapters here in Acts. It's the first few days, the first few weeks of the movement that would grow into what we know as Christianity, right? The, the, the birthday and the first few days of the early church. Um, and, and the hope is here, that the thought is that, man, looking at these, these first few moments of the early church, these first few weeks of the early church, um, before all the splintering, before all the divisions, before um, and being influenced by a culture that is totally contrary to everything that's on Jesus' heart, uh, totally opposite what his purpose is for our lives, before and the church has affected all those things, when it was simple, when it was new, when it was pure, and we can take a look at that, get a picture of what the church looked like then, uh, and as a throwback, hopefully we can get back to that place here today, right, in 2016 at the University of Memphis. Um, we can get a picture of, you know, what was Jesus' purpose for the church originally? And what should the body of Christ look like? What did it look like then? We're in the very beginning. And, and, and what's some stuff we've lost uh, that we can reclaim in the here and now? Amen? So if you have your Bible, we're going to be Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And the first thing you probably need to know about Acts that's really helpful if you've not studied Acts before is that Acts is a sequel Acts is the second volume of a two-volume work. The writer of Acts was this physician named Luke. So his first volume was the Gospel according to Luke. And then the second volume is Acts. So when we pick up here in Acts 1-1, we're picking up in the, the first scene of the sequel, right? So this is this is the Godfather 2. So if you've not seen the Godfather, you may not want to check that out, right? This is Finding Dory. If you've not yet found Nemo, you might want to check that out so we're all on the same page, okay? Um, but this is this is this is the second volume that, that uh, Luke is writing here. Um, we're gonna pick up in verse one. It says, "In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything that Jesus began to do and teach." He says he says he's referring to the first volume. He's referring to part one. Uh, I mean, I wrote to you about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. Uh, Theophilus here, whoever he's writing to, uh, maybe Theophilus is a real person. Uh, maybe this is the guy that financed man, Luke's travels to go around and interview all these eyewitnesses to put together um, this historical narrative to us. Uh, Theophilus just means friend of God. So maybe he's writing it in a generic sense to all of us that are followers of Jesus, friends of God, you know, so that we'll have uh, this historical record you know, for generations to follow. I don't know. We don't know. Uh, either way, it's good stuff. He says, in my first volume, I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. And if you're not familiar with the first book, if you're not familiar with the gospel of Luke or the gospels uh, in general or the basic message of the gospel, then I'm going to explain it briefly now before we jump into the text so we'll be, we'll be on the same page together, okay? Um, the basic message of the gospel, it really starts at the very beginning of your Bible. The whole message of the Bible points to this one idea. So hundreds of years uh, before the Gospels even start, you have prophets throughout the centuries uh, giving prophecies that God is going to send a Savior that's going to save people from their sins. 
And God's going to send a person uh, that's going to step into human history, and they're going to fix the problem uh, that's at the heart of every single one of us. You know, so the, the, the Bible tells us that every single one of us, our nature is corrupted by this thing called sin. And, and how, that, how that blossoms in our life is that there's times that we're prideful, times that we're selfish, times that we do things to hurt other people, hurt ourselves, uh, times that we, we lie, we manipulate. Uh, in general, we live in a way that doesn't please God, that doesn't honor God. Uh, and this problem, what the Bible calls sin, uh, maybe it affects everybody. It affects me, it affects you, and every other human being that's ever lived. Uh, and, and the problem is that this sin, this sin problem, separates us uh, from, from a God who's perfect, from being able to have a relationship with a perfect God, to have the intimacy uh, that the God who created us wants to have with you. I mean, God, God wants you to be part of his family. He wants you as a son, as a daughter, uh, to be in, in close relationship with so he can love on you, so he can bless you. Uh, and the sin issue, and it separates us. It's a problem. So God planned from the beginning, I'm going to send my son Jesus at just the right time to deal with the sin issue. So in, in Luke's Gospels, and there's also three other Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and John, um, and we see the picture of, of Jesus stepping into human history. Jesus is born uh, as a human being, fully God and also fully man. Uh, Jesus lives the life we couldn't live, right? Every single one of us have done wrong, uh, done all these kind of things, but then Jesus lived a perfect life and began to teach people about the character of God, began to teach people about the kingdom of God. Uh, begins revealing God to the people. He, he gets a following. Jesus begins uh, healing the sick. He begins bringing freedom to people that are spiritually oppressed. He raises the dead. He's working miracles. Uh, he's getting a huge following. He's also getting a lot of people that don't like him at all. Uh, religious leaders that see the following he's getting and, and they begin to be jealous. I mean, what if Jesus takes attention from us? What if people follow him and don't listen to us? Uh, he's claiming to be the son of God. We don't believe that's true, so that's blasphemy. I mean, we need to have this guy killed. So they make a plan to have Jesus arrested and killed, and that's what happens. Jesus is betrayed. Uh, he's put on trial, and then he's publicly executed, uh, hammered to a wooden cross, uh, executed, tortured, hung naked in front of everybody. Uh, and in that, in that gruesome, gruesome, violent moment, God did something miraculous and beautiful. In that moment, God did something supernatural. He took all of the punishment that you and I deserve for everything we've ever done wrong, and instead of us receiving it, he laid it on Jesus instead. He said, this, this Jesus, my son, suffering on the cross, that will be the punishment for your sins. I'm going to lay it on Jesus instead so that when we look to Jesus, when we put our faith in him, we put our trust in him and what he did for us on the cross, instead of receiving punishment and wrath for all that we've done wrong, God extends us instead grace, mercy, forgiveness, his love. Um, we're washed clean, we're made new, uh, and we're welcomed into the family of God. God says, those things you've done wrong, I'm not going to hold that against you. When I look at you, that's not what I see. Uh, man, I'm welcoming you into my family as a son, as a daughter. I built you a, a room in my house. There's a seat at my table. Uh, I am yours and you are mine forever. Uh, Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross, that's the beautiful thing that happened. Uh, and for all, all of us that put our trust in Jesus and what he did for us, man, we can have our sins forgiven. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter who you've been, what your past has been like. And in a moment, that can be made brand new. That can be wiped clean. You can get a fresh start in Jesus. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus did not stay dead. He died on the cross. He was buried. But then three days later, God raised him from the dead. Uh, he conquered the grave, conquered death forever. Uh, and then he appears to hundreds and hundreds of eyewitnesses. Um, and so, so the Gospels record some of those eyewitness accounts. First Corinthians 15 records some of those eyewitness accounts. People that saw Jesus alive after being dead. Um, he, he hangs out for about 40 days before ascending into heaven. Uh, and Luke, uh, you know, 
the second volume here in Acts. In Acts 1, we're picking up during this kind of 40-day span uh, that Jesus is spending with his followers, appearing to them, uh, so they know for sure that he is raised from the dead, he's resurrected, uh, and he's explaining to them, man, what is the purpose now? Okay, so you put your trust in me, you're following me, you've accepted me, uh, you've had your sins forgiven, you've kind of surrendered your life to me. What now, right? What is our purpose now? What's the plan now, Jesus, right? So this is where we're picking up uh, in Acts 1. You guys got that? So so back to Acts chapter 1, uh, we read verse 1. Um, everything about Jesus began to do and teach. And in verse 2, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. This is important. So Jesus is not appearing to them as a ghost, as a spirit. Man, he's, he, he's appearing to them as a, a resurrected, uh, fully alive God person, right? He, he's fully God. He also has, has a body that they can touch and feel. This isn't some kind of uh, vision. This isn't like a ghost spiritual thing. Jesus is fully alive and raised from the dead. And it says he talked to them about the kingdom of God. You know, so here we pick up with Jesus. He's with his disciples. This is before he ascends to heaven. You know, when, when he ascends up into heaven, he, it's with the promise that, that one day he's going to return uh, to us. And, and here in this time he's spending with his followers, he's giving them uh, what their purpose is going to be here on the earth, and not just their purpose, but what their plan uh, and provision is for accomplishing that purpose. So continuing on in verse 4. It says, Once he was eating with them, and he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, so Jesus had given them their purpose. He'd given them their plan. What is the purpose? The purpose is for each and every one of them to have a relationship with God, to know God, and then to make him known to the people around him. I mean, God, God's heart is, is that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. God wants every single human on planet Earth to know him and be reconciled to him. That's the, that's the purpose. That's God's heart. And he gives a very detailed plan, a perfect plan on how he's going to fulfill that. We'll talk about that plan in a second. Uh, but, but here he, he talks about um, I mean, his provision so that that plan can be carried out. Uh, he says you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says, I don't want you to, to carry out the plan in your own strength, right? I don't want you to just go out there and try to try to tell everyone you know about me uh, just on, on your own energy and your own enthusiasm and your own excitement, but I'm going to give you power from my spirit. Jesus says that, that, that whereas I'm with you now, I'm going to live in you and through you. And by my Holy Spirit, you're going to have the power to be a bold witness for me. So on the day that you get tired, on the day that you get discouraged, you're not just going on your own strength, but you're going in the power of the Holy Spirit. It can be frustrating to have the power to do something, but not know how to plan. You know, how, the plan, not know how to go about doing it. Yeah, to have like all the pieces you need, but not the instructions. Right? To have like the three thousand piece Lego set and, and no instructions. Right? So how's this thing going to become this other thing? You know, to to have the power, to have the ability, but not have a plan is frustrating. You know, if Nathan tells me, hey, Matt, I need to ride, ride to school. Can you drive me to school today? And I say, yeah, that's no problem. Uh, Manhattan, where, I don't know your address. Where, where's your house? Uh, I don't hear 
anything, right? Man, I have a, I have a car. Man, it's full of gas. I have the time. I have all the resources I need to drive Nathan to school. But without a plan, right, without knowing his address, that doesn't do me any good, right? Um, and so, so sometimes when we have the resources we need, we don't really know what to do. We don't know what's the plan. You know, what's, what's the strategy? What's step one? How do I get started? And then the opposite can also be frustrating. When you have a plan, but you don't have any resources to accomplish it. And have you guys ever had something that you really, really wanted to do, but maybe you didn't have the money? Or you didn't have the time, or you didn't have the resources to make this dream a reality. Say, man, I want this so bad, but it costs so much money, and I don't have any. Right? Or, man, I want to go on this trip so bad, but I've got work then, I've got school then, I don't have the, the time off to go do it. So, so it's frustrating when, when we have a plan, and the plan's right there, but I, I can't do it. I don't have the resources, I don't have the time, my energy, I don't have what I need to accomplish it. Both of these situations, very frustrating. Um, I'm going to take a moment here. This is, this is going to make sense in a minute. Uh, to step out of my sermon for a brief aside, a brief political aside. Um, and again, it'll make sense in just a second. Uh, so if you guys aren't aware, right now, the United States is in the thick of election season. Uh, in just over two months, uh, we will elect a new president and several other important positions uh, in, in state and national government. Uh, this season can be potentially very divisive uh, for communities like this one. So I would like to propose, and hopefully you guys unanimously accept, some ground rules. Let's not have Chi Alpha be a place where we debate political stuff, okay? Right? Uh, it's okay to have political feelings. It's a good thing. It's okay to have your favorite person that you're going to vote for. Um, but, but what can happen is it can get twisted. It can get ugly. There can be, can be fights and nastiness. And, man, I don't want any of that in this community, okay? Um, what I, my promise to you is I'm never going to tell you who to vote for or not to vote for this guy or not to vote for this person over here. I, I think that that's immoral and manipulative and an abuse of the influence that God's given me. Uh, now, if you want to talk about, man, what does the Bible have to say about a particular political issue, yeah, I'm all over it, right? What, what does the scripture, what does God have to say about this issue? Man, all day long, all day long, pick my brain. Uh, but I'm not going to say, hey, vote for this person or don't vote for this person. I don't think that's right. And man, I would love as a community that we don't get caught up in those kind of debates either because man, those those debates ruin relationships, ruin community, and, and this season can be volatile in that way. So man, if you guys want to talk individually, you, are, you guys are mature and level-headed and say, hey, we can have a, a discourse and it's not going to come between our friendship, okay? Individually alone, that's fine. But, but man, when we're just a public group, let's not do that, okay? And, and also on the, the group me, the group messaging thing, let's like leave politics totally out of the group me. That'll make me so happy. Can we agree on that? Is that good? Okay. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, and, and, and we're, we're just going to be happy, and we're going to, to pray about it. I'm going to trust that God's going to guide us uh, in the election process. Um, we're going to make informed decisions. Now, if you want to just remind people of their civic duty to vote, like, hey, go out and vote. That's a good thing. But not, hey, go out and vote for Bobby Jones because he's the best and, and all the other opponents are worse. No, let's not do that. Let's not do that, okay? Um, and I say all that. I bring up politics. Uh, first of all, it's early in the semester. It's a good time to address those things, especially in election season. But, but I want to talk about something that politicians, uh, many, many politicians do that is frustrating to me. Uh, man, something that maybe not every politician, but so many politicians will make uh, grand promises. They'll say, man, this, this is my promise. If elected, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Here's my goals. Here's my dreams. Here's the purposes that I have. But then when asked about, man, that sounds awesome. What's your plan for accomplishing that? Well, 
You know, the plan is kind of fuzzy, right? Maybe there's a plan, maybe there's like half a plan, maybe there's like an eighth of a plan, and, and that can be kind of annoying because people people promise big, right? It's like in your elementary school when you're electing the class president, and they say, man, we're going to get uh, three hours of recess, right? And we're going to get vending machines in the classrooms and no homework and promising all these things. It's like, kid, you cannot deliver on that, right? But in, in, in the national election, sometimes it's not any better. I'm promising these big things, and you're thinking like, who's going to pay for that, or how is that possible? You're saying you're going to get rid of, uh, of, of poverty or you're going to get jobs for everyone that's unemployed. And that sounds really, really good. But if you don't have a plan, right, what's the point? How many of you guys are thankful that King Jesus, man, not only has a purpose for our lives, but also a really good plan on how to accomplish it? Man, he doesn't just say, he doesn't just say, man, here, here's what I want for you. You're on your own. Figure it out, right? No, Jesus gives us man, a really good plan, a really good plan. And that's what we're going to take uh, a look at. Um, he gives us the plan, you know, and then he also gives us the provision himself uh, to accomplish that plan. So picking up in verse 6, uh, again, Jesus is, is hanging out with his followers, the disciples. And the disciples, man, they, they take a stab at what they think the plan might be. Uh, and this is, man, a little humorous note here. So picking up in verse 6, Acts chapter 1, verse 6. It says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord... Has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Okay. They've been spending about three years with Jesus, day in, day out, eating meals with them, hanging out with them, camping out with them, hearing them teach, and they've still got in their head that Jesus is going to overthrow the government, that he's going to lead some kind of military revolution, something like that, and they're saying, Jesus, okay, you, you died, and that was scary, but then you raised from the dead, and that was really cool, so now, now is it the time that you're going to man, overthrow Caesar, and you know, overthrow the government, you're going to set Israel free from, from Roman captivity, is, that, is this when all those things are going to happen? Uh, and Jesus says, no, that's not the plan. Verse 7, it says, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and those times, and they are not for you to know. There will come a day where King Jesus rules over everything. There will come a day uh, when, when, when every every human politician, every government bows their knee uh, to, to Jesus, submits to God's authority. Um, but, but for the followers of Jesus that still thought this is going to be a political thing, this is going to be a military thing, Jesus says, no, that's not the plan. You guys ever, ever have an idea of how you think God should do things, right? That you look at your life situation and be like, you know, God, if I were you, this is how I would solve this situation. Uh, this girl's being really mean to me, and if I were you, you know, this is this, this would be the way that, that, that God, I mean, I am crazy broke, and if I were you, man, I would just get a stack a uh, fat stack of $100 bills and then sneak that into my mailbox and be anonymous, right? And that would solve a lot of my problems. God, that's how I would do it. Uh, and, and God's like, no, that's, that's an okay plan. That's not my plan, right? Uh, and, and, and the thing is, God's plan, even though we don't understand it, like most of the time we don't understand it, it's a better plan. It's better for you and it's better for the world. His plan is better. Um, you know, God's got his own way of doing things, and I'm so glad he does because, man, sometimes I'm not too bright. Uh, his plan is so much better than mine. His understanding is so much better than mine. You know, God's purpose, as we said, is to reconcile the world to himself, to give every person on the planet uh, an opportunity to enter into a relationship with him. And this isn't something that was going to be accomplished by some military uprising. Uh, this isn't going to be accomplished um, by political power gained from overthrowing the government. He says, I'm not going to reach all of mankind by overthrowing the Roman government, right? I'm not going to, to make sure every person on the planet has an opportunity to hear the gospel uh, by leading some kind of some revolution. Um, 
No, Jesus has a much better plan. He gives this plan in more detail uh, at the very end of Matthew's Gospel. So if you want to flip back to Matthew 28, um, we'll, 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 you can put a finger or bookmark or something there in Luke, and we'll, we'll be back there in a second. But in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, he lays out what the plan is. He says, man, he does have a plan, and here's what it is. Matthew 28, starting in verse 19, Jesus says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the plan. It's a really, really good plan. So how do we reach the entire world? How do we make sure every single person on the planet has an opportunity to have a relationship with God? You've got to make disciples. You've got to make disciples. So, so I disciple someone else, and they turn around and disciple someone else. And while they're discipling someone else, I'm discipling a new person. And then those people turn around and disciple someone else. And then over time, exponentially, the thing grows to where you start with the handful of followers that Jesus had, a handful of disciples, to where now in worldwide there's over 2 billion Christians. Right? The thing, the thing grows through, through discipleship, through one person investing in another who turns around and invests in another. And that's the plan. And it's a brilliant plan and it's a good plan. And overthrowing the government I mean, isn't going to make sure that everybody hears. But, but carefully, intentionally discipling your neighbor, your classmates, your roommate, your brother, your sister, uh, taking the time to share the gospel with them, sharing what Jesus has done in your life, sharing uh, I mean, the, the, the hope that they can have in Christ, um, and leading them into a relationship with God. And they turn, turn around and lead their roommate. Um, and that, that's the plan. That's the plan. That, that's, how, that's how God's going to see um, and, and his, his love, His glory reach around the earth. Make sure every single person has a chance to enter into a relationship with Him. That's the plan, and it's a good one. Uh, but we also see here at the very end is His provision for helping us with that plan. He says, you don't go alone. You don't go in your own strength. But Jesus says, I will be with you always. I'll be with you always. Uh, they, they, I mean, that, that's some kind, sometimes scary. Uh, some of you guys are more introverted and some of you guys are more extroverted. But for those of you guys that are a little shy, the idea of going and talking to somebody about Jesus, even a roommate, even a friend, uh, sharing your testimony, sharing the difference Jesus has made in your life, or, or sharing the gospel with them, that can be a little bit of a scary thing. Jesus says, hey, you're not going by yourself, though. I'm going to be with you always, every step of the way. Every step of the way, I'm there with you. Uh, I'm living in you and through you by my Holy Spirit. And you're not going in your own strength. You're not going in your own power. That's the provision God gives us himself uh, to accomplish the plan. So jumping back to Acts, and we're wrapping up with this. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 8. Um, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus is continuing to explain to them um, what the next, uh, next steps are going to look like. Jesus says this, But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, something's going to happen. What I want you to do is wait. You know, so you've got the plan, go and make disciples of all nations, making sure you share, share me with everyone you come in contact with, teach them to follow me, uh, but I don't want you to do it yet, I want you to wait. I want you to wait until you receive power from the Holy Spirit. You know, stay, stay in Jerusalem until you receive that power, and then you're going to be a bold witness for me. First in Memphis, and then in Shelby County, and then to the ends of the earth, right? Uh, that you're going to start local, you're going to reach the people around you, and that thing's going to spread and spread and spread until uh, maybe you fast forward to today, and every continent on earth makes some scientists on, in, in Antarctica are Christians, right? Every continent on earth uh, has Christians on it, right? Um, and, and every, every country uh, and it has, has some, 
kind of witness for the gospel. Now, some countries, there may just be like one Christian in the whole country, uh, and, and that's what we call an unreached people group. We need a greater witness for Jesus Christ in that area. But there are Christians everywhere, everywhere, um, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's not, not something you can do on your own strength. And I don't want you to do it on your own strength, because come a day, you're going to get discouraged, you're going to get tired, you're going to want to give up, uh, but wait until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to baptize you in my spirit, soak you in my spirit, fill you to overflowing with my spirit, and that's going to be the power you need to take this message of the gospel into the world. Um, and we're going to talk more about you know, what that looks like next week. So, so Jesus gives us instruction, hey, here's the plan, but wait, don't go do it yet, right? I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit, and we're going to see in chapter 2 uh, where Jesus baptizes the early church um, and his Holy Spirit, the fullness of power uh, that, that comes from that. The church swells, uh, goes from about 200 people to over 3,000 people on a single day. Uh, it's powerful, exciting stuff. Um, that's what we're going to pick up next week uh, there in Acts chapter 2. So Jesus says, uh, man, I want you to be full of the Holy Spirit. Here's the plan. I want you to go and make disciples. Uh, I want you to share and, and share, share me with, with, with friends and neighbors and strangers. Uh, and everywhere you go, be intentional about sharing Jesus. Every conversation you're in, and be thinking in the back of your mind, if you're a Christian, how can I turn this conversation to spiritual things? Not just small talk, but talking about things that matter. Uh, share the difference Jesus has made in my, my life and, and, and ask him, and do you have a relationship with God in that kind of way? Um, being intentional about those things, not in your own power, not in your own strength, but relying on Jesus. Saying, Jesus, you promised you would be with me. Uh, I need your help, right? Uh, and, and, and I'm so thankful. We'll touch on this a little bit more in, in, in one of the weeks coming up. Uh, but one of the promises Jesus gives in the first volume in Luke uh, to, to, to his own disciples, his own followers, is you don't have to worry beforehand what you're going to say. But the Holy Spirit in that moment is going to give you words that no one can contradict. Right? So as you're about to have a conversation with a roommate, a classmate, that you feel like, man, I really want to share Jesus with them, I don't even know where to start, right? Um, and I don't want to help you with those kind of things. As you get involved in Kai Alpha, man, you're going to learn some different ways to share, uh, some resources, stuff you can have in your toolbox. But at the end of the line, you know, uh, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to give you the words to say. You can trust Him that He's going to mold the conversation that you've got it in your heart that, hey, I want to share Jesus with this person, and you bring it up, the you know, Holy Spirit will help, help God and give, give you the words to say. And it's a promise from Jesus, and it's a good one. Um, so, this picture of the early church, right? This picture of the church, this is right before Jesus ascends to heaven. Um, I'm going to read these last couple verses to wrap up. It says, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Verse 11, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So Jesus says, I'm leaving. Earlier in the Gospel of John, he says, it's good that I'm going away because when I go away, then I can send the Holy Spirit. Right now I'm limited, right, in this physical body, but I'm going to send my Holy Spirit that can live in you and through you and then, you know, cover the earth. Um, it's going to be better. I'm leaving now, but not forever. I'm returning. Uh, and you guys have work to do while I'm gone, right? Uh, and, and so looking at here, you know, the, the last words of Jesus, man, I, I want you to go, I want you to go and reach the whole world, Jerusalem, Judea, the end of the earth, Memphis, Shelby County, Tennessee, the end of the earth, right? Uh, and I don't want you to go on your own strength. I want you to wait for power, wait for my help, uh, and then I want you to be about the purpose of reaching people for my glory. Um, and, he, and he gives this plan, and he ascends to heaven. And, and so here we have in a snapshot of what the church looked like 
And on day day one, really, I'm going to say day zero, right? So Jesus is gone. What does the body of Christ look like with Christ physically absent, right? What, what does this community of believers look like with the focus of their faith being physically absent, not spiritually absent? Jesus promises, I'm with you always, 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 I'm with you. Um, but being physically absent, and okay, what now? I'm sure that was a quick man thinking, okay, uh, you know, what do we do now? Well, what's the next step? Okay, Jesus said, wait. So we're just, we're just going to wait. And that's what they do. They go to Jerusalem, and they pray a lot. And they wait, and they wait, and they wait. And then in chapter 2, we're going to see what they, they waited for. All right, we're going to talk about that next week. Um, so applications for us. There's some stuff for us to think about here. Uh, and if, uh, if we're Christians, are we being intentional about the plan? You know, so, so God has a purpose for our life. Uh, God has a purpose for, for every single human being that's ever lived. First of all, to know him, to be in a relationship with him, uh, and then to lead others into a relationship with him, to know him and to make him known. Um, if, if I'm a Christian, what am I doing to see that purpose realized in my own life? Am I being intentional to share Jesus with the people in my life? Or are there people that I say, man, I, man, I, I don't really talk about those things with them, that, that I've known this person for, for weeks, months, years, and we've never had a, a deep spiritual conversation. Maybe it's the guy man, that I sit next to in class. Maybe it's a roommate, a sweet mate. Uh, you know, maybe someone that may, may not may not work with them. Uh, we've never had that kind of conversation, but man, I should. I should. Now, we're going to pray here in a second. I mean, God would help you to take the initiative and say, start those kind of conversations uh, to share man, the difference Jesus has made in your life and, and lead people that don't know God into a relationship with him. It is the most wonderful uh, man, experience you can have leading someone else into a relationship with God. And if you're here tonight... And you say, Matt, I mean, I don't personally have a relationship with God. I mean, you shared, you shared the, the good news about Jesus, and I don't know that I've ever uh, asked God to forgive my sins because of what Jesus did on the cross. I don't know that I've ever accepted that forgiveness or asked God to make me new, um, you know, submitted my life to him before. But I want to do that tonight. We're going to have a chance to pray for you too, okay? Um, so I'm going to ask you guys to do it. If you don't mind, just out of respect and privacy to your neighbors, if you guys could bow your head and close your eyes, um, just to give your neighbor a little privacy uh, uh, time between them and the Lord. And we're going to pray. Uh, Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this, this, this snapshot of the early church uh, in day zero, almost before before we can even call them a church when they're when, when they're still hanging out with you, when they're still learning. You know, what, is, what is our purpose? What's the plan in this world? Um, Jesus, if we've gotten away from that, God, if we call ourselves Christians, but we're not about the very purpose of your heart uh, to see people reconciled to you, um, God, we're sorry for getting away from that. And thank you for this, this snapshot, this throwback picture um, of, of what our purpose is supposed to be as a body of believers. Um, God, I pray for, for the Christians here tonight. God, help us to be uh, intentional um, about sharing our faith. Help us to uh, make the most of every opportunity we have as we're in conversations with people, as we have relationships with people. Um, but we're not wasting those moments, wasting that time. Uh, but we'd be intentional about sharing Jesus with them, leading them into a relationship with you. Um, again, as every, every head's bowed and eyes are closed, if you're here tonight and say, Matt, uh, I've never myself asked Jesus to forgive me. I've never asked God to forgive my sins. Um, I've never received that free gift of, of forgiveness and eternal life. Uh, and I want to spend forever in heaven with God. I want to have that relationship with you, God, that you talked about. If, if that's you uh, tonight, say, that's me. Matt, would you pray with me? Would you just raise your hand real quick? Say, would you pray with me? Um, I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want to ask God to forgive me. Thank you. I see, I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. All right, let's pray for these. And, and you just pray along, pray along with me in your heart. 
Father God, thank you so much for your love for me. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus uh, to do for me what I can never do for myself um, and, and bridge this gulf uh, that, that separates me from you. God, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. God, I ask that you would forgive my sins, uh, that you would cleanse me, that you would make me a new creation. And uh, God, would you come and be the Lord of my life? God, I don't want to be in charge. I don't want to run things. I've seen how big a mess my life can be when I'm in charge. God, I want to submit completely to your lordship and your authority. Um, would you be my God? Would you help me to follow you all the days of my life? Uh, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit and the power to live for you, God, from this day forward? In Jesus' name.